Welcome to another episode of Mac and Joe Talk on a Podcast. Hello everyone, thanks for joining us for another fabulous episode here. Back here with my good friend Joe. Thanks for being here, Joe, as always. You're welcome, buddy. We appreciate, of course, all of you listening. It means the world to us. Yes. New subscribers, older subscribers, you guys are amazing. And the reason why we're doing this, the reason why we're still able to do this, just so you guys know, we do have a Captain Marvel spoiler episode up. Yep. It's a full spoiler episode. You may or may not know that. So if you have seen the film and you want to get our thoughts on the film, Please check out the review. If you haven't seen the film yet and you want to wait, please just check it out at your convenience. It will, of course, be there whenever you are ready for it. Uh, but we would love to hear your thoughts on the film as well. We're not really going to get into that today because no. we spent a whole 45 minutes or so the other night doing it. We did. But I think generally it was a pretty well-received film from both of us. It was some backlash. Some backlash. From from us? Or no, from, not from us. Just from people in from general. In general. Sure. There's some controversy. Yeah, and we might talk about that next week. We'll see. Um, not that it was <clears throat> significant. I'm just saying there was yeah. some. There were certainly some, and we'll talk a little bit about that potentially next week, or we even bring that up later on. Um, but it did not hurt it in the box office, unfortunately. No. Uh, Captain Marvel opened up did globally. You say unfortunately? Fortunately. Oh, fortunately. Fortunately. Okay. The online trolls did not win. The online trolls. As it were. Uh, globally, it opened up to $453 million. It did around $153 million domestically, so 302 worldwide, $89 million coming specifically from Asia, from China, where, of course, was huge on MCU films. It's the seventh best MCU opening ever. Um, it is the largest debut for a female-led film. Um, bigger it, than Wonder Woman? It, yeah, it's massively bigger than Wonder Woman, unfortunately. Um, wow. So worldwide, Wonder Woman finished, again, it finished its run around $821 million. Wow. Um, Opening-wise, domestically, just domestically, Wonder Woman did $103 million as compared to hmm. Marvel Studios' 153. Again, to put that in context, MCU Marvel is much more popular abroad in terms of globally than DC. Again, if DC continues to put good films out there, then it will, you know, obviously Aquaman was a huge hit internationally. So if they continue to put good stuff out there, people will come. Yeah. Um, you know, Wonder Woman had a slow start per se, but Wonder Woman was one of those films that became kind of a phenomenon over the summer and people kind of went back to see it later on. I don't even think I saw it or we saw it maybe the opening weekend. I think we no, waited we a week didn't. or something we like didn't. that. Because we because the bad taste of Justice League was still in our mouth. Yeah. We, or, yeah. So we, yeah. And it, Wonder Woman just became a film that it never had some huge, huge weekend per se, but it, yeah. it stayed it consistent. Was steady. It was it's, steady. You know, again, people liked it. People, it got great word of mouth. Again, this is a Marvel film, so no one knows how well it's going to hold. It obviously has the theater to itself next week per se, but you know, Marvel and Disney mostly do these big, huge opening weekend numbers. There's nothing next weekend coming out, but then it will face some competition the week after potentially from Jordan Peele's us. Who knows? Yeah. Um, That that will draw a crowd. And then it feels like it's going up against its own competitor when Disney will open Dumbo. 
the weekend after. And then, of course, it gets Shazam, where it probably will get the majority of the comic book fans at that point. But Captain Marvel should have the theaters to itself yeah. next week by itself. So um, it will still be playing in all the IMAX and all the Dolby's. Again, if you want to check out our review, please go to our spoiler podcast. Yep, check it out. You ready to get into the news, Joe? Yep, let's do it. Uh, we're just going to kind of run through these notes. I wrote down yep. some notes. It is looking more and more likely that New Mutants, which of course is part of the X-Men franchise, it's a new take on X-Men, it's looking more and more likely potentially for a streaming service, whether that is Hulu or Disney Plus. Again, it's, you know, Hulu looks like the more likely one if Disney takes full control. It's it's not necessarily family friendly. Uh, you're a big X-Men fan, Joe. Yep. But this is more of a horror take on the X-Men it does. genre. Does that hold the interest to you? I mean, if you had Hulu or Disney Plus, would you watch it? You know, um, randomly at home. I there, there are many many shows that are ahead of the queue than New Mutants. Well, this would just be one movie, right? I mean, you wouldn't have to invest much time in it. New Mutants is just a movie. Oh, it's a movie. I'm sorry, I I was confused. I thought it was a TV series. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. Um, I do like X Men, but. It doesn't – I mean ha- having a horror twist on it just doesn't really appeal to me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean they, they shot it two years ago and it's been kind of in turnaround and production hell ever since. So um, that either means they're just waiting for something, whether it's a Disney merger or the film's just not very good. My guess is if it's been finished for two years, yeah, it's, it's just, just – not very good. <laughs> it's just sitting on the shelf and they're just going to quietly dump it on a streaming service at some point versus releasing it in theaters. But who knows? Maybe it's a hidden gem and, and, you know, maybe we'll never know. Who knows? Uh, There will be a new Scooby-Doo film coming, an animated theatrical feature in May 2020. Uh, This will be a little bit different from what they had done previously. Again, they had spent a large – Warner Brothers had spent a large amount doing the live action and the kind of CG with the Scooby-Doo. Now it looks like they're going to go fully back to the animated film. Hmm. Uh, This will be a theatrical release. So they've done – obviously they've done – I don't know, hundreds and hundreds or so yeah, animated films um, oh, or direct-to-DVD, oh, direct-to-VHS films. Are you a big Scooby-Doo fan, Joe? No, but I do have a friend who's a huge Scooby-Doo fan, my friend Dana. I, I don't Shout know if, out, Dana. I don't know if she's listening or not. but Hopefully she is. Yeah, hopefully she is. Um, I know she's she'll be excited for the Scooby-Doo. She can do all the voices and whatnot. She can do all the voices? Some of them. She can like, do, can she, she do Scooby? She can do Scooby. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Will Smith has officially departed Suicide Squad 2. No surprise. No surprise. Again, this is the James Gunn-led taking over from um, taking over the franchise. Margot Robbie is still on board in terms of being Harley Quinn. However, she's only likely to cameo. Of course, she has Birds of Prey coming out that she's working on. Mm-hmm. Some news that came late in the week, Joe, after I wrote this rundown on... Will Smith has officially been replaced by a new actor. Do you want to take a guess as to who that actor is? Idris Elba? It is. Oh, my gosh. It is. Idris Elba has officially joined the cast of Suicide Squad 2 as Deadshot. So this either says James Gunn is going to do not even Suicide Squad 2. This could be a potentially a full, full reboot, or it's a whole new different kind of Suicide Squad. Again, in the comics... You know, Suicide Squad, it's kind of like the Avengers. It's like there's could be there are several different rosters, so they can bring in several different I see. several different actors, several different, you know, characters to perform the role. Um, I think you and I are in the same spot. We did not like Suicide Squad. 
However, I did think the the one thing about Suicide Squad they got right was the actual casting. I thought Will Smith was fine as Deadshot. I like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think she'll do great that in future it. films. Sure. I mean, maybe maybe those two might be kind of the exception to the rule. Um, but, you know, Will Smith has kind of said maybe one and done. That probably didn't work out for him. But yeah. I'm excited for Suicide busy Squad, with Aladdin. too. Yeah. Aladdin, too. If that does well, they'll make Aladdin, too. Who knows? Um, but I'm excited for Suicide Squad, too, only in the sense of it's James Gunn. And he'll yeah, bring a we, certain we know, we know his pedigree. Different, uh, different tone than the first Suicide Squad, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Disney is officially in talks to acquire to acquire Warner's Hulu share. We had talked about this earlier. Yeah. Once the Fox merger goes through, Disney will become the majority shareholder in Warner in Hulu. So the only um, studio standing in its way will be Warner's at that point for full control. Again, if Disney does this, it makes sense because then they can fully control Hulu. And that's where they can put their adult content. Adult content. And they can leave their Disney Plus stuff. With their family friendly stuff for Disney Plus. Again, if they're going to do stuff like New Mutants or Deadpool or kind of drop all that stuff on, that would be great. It would be great if they did a package, you know, Hulu Plus or Hulu and a Disney Plus package. Who knows? At that point, I'm not sure. I still want to, I don't know if I want to get Hulu because, again, there's not much original content on there now. But if they bundle it with Disney Plus, obviously I'm going to buy Disney Plus at this point. I'm not, there's no hesitation in my mind. Um, so, you know, not surprising, I guess. Yeah. That Disney's kind of making this large play. And especially with Warner's, you know, going off on their own to make their own streaming service. Yeah. So, it's, so that's, you know, that's the future of. They're just going to sell off what they own in Hulu yeah. and, and be done with it. Warner Brothers is also in the news. They've also set the Aquaman sequel for 2022. So, four years after uh, the first Aquaman. Uh, there's n- there's no details on James Wan returning. James Wan had mentioned how, again, you make one of these films, it's a two- to three-year process. It's a large part of his life. Who does who knows if he's going to make another one? There's been talks of him going back to the Fast and Furious franchise. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, but they also announced there's a spinoff film of Aquaman, The Trench, which is also in pre-production. Weird that they're going to do a spinoff on The Trench, which is kind of one of the minor, minor characters that was in Aquaman. Any interest? I know you're interested in Aquaman the sequel. You know, yeah, the I trench mean, which we'll, is kind of weird that they're doing that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they if they haven't mentioned James Wan as being the director, I doubt he will be the director. Right. Um, it's probably leaning into a different different direction, which is, I mean, it's disappointing. But at the same time, it's it, you know you look at the MCU films and how many directors repeat. You know, there's some, but, there's not, some, not, a lot. but the, uh, not a lot. The majority of the time, right. it's new directors, new, new ideas, right. new, new direction. Um, so, I mean, I, I very much enjoyed Aquaman. Um, I'm not familiar with the trench. So, what was he? The trench. Um, so, one of the underworld kingdoms. Oh, that was kind of like oh. they weren't fighting, fighting for domination. Yeah, they were. That's they were. Yeah, for the trench, anyway. and that's, that's all I know about it, okay. to be honest. But um, they just, you know, spin off. Yeah, I mean, so, it seems it seems a little bit redundant to have both films, but I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a market for it somewhere. Yeah, who knows? Um, we have talked previously about this with Steven Spielberg and Netflix. Absolutely, Netflix did have a response to Steven Spielberg. 
Um, to a certain extent, they just kind of put it out there. They didn't say, hey, Steven Spielberg, this is for you. But their quote, interesting quote, maybe, uh, we love cinema. Here are some things we also love. Access for people who can't always afford or live in towns without theaters. Letting everyone everywhere enjoy releases at the same time. Giving filmmakers more way to share art. These things are not mutually exclusive. Um, so you and I are blessed in the sense that we live in the Bay Area. And a lot of people that listen live in the Bay Area. I know there are people listening that live in New York or L.A., friends of mine, um, where there's large access to art. There's access to theaters. In a lot of places, and again, we take this for granted, there is not that. There is not access to you know, cineplexes all over the place or availability to art or art houses or things like that. Um, so Netflix is right in that sense that there is... And you think they're being authentic. You think you think they really care about the consumers, and that's why they made this statement. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a, it's true though, to a certain extent. I'm just saying. Is bought, it is it the bo- is it the bottom line? Of course, it's about their bottom line. It's yeah, about it is dollar. about the bottom line. Of course, it is. But that's why they bumped up prices again. Sure, but again, you're paying the excessive. Fee, I'm doing that, yeah, for you. That's much my gift to no, you. No, you don't need to buy get the fee with the Blu-rays because you don't rent oh, the Blu-rays. With the Blu-rays, that's yeah, your yeah. fault. You're you're doing that on your well, own. No, but I'm just my, my point is is that they're they're. This is a very cute quote, in my opinion. It's we love cinema. Here's all here. Here's some things we also love, though. We also love these things. We care about the consumer, and that's why we. That's why we kept the prices low for so long, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So as more as they lose, I'm a little pessimistic about this. As they lose more and more content that they license, they're going to have to invest more in original content, and that's going to cost them. So they have to raise prices. It's just like any other business, right? They have to raise prices eventually. I'm saying to pay for it. I agree with that, and I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm just saying don't play yourself as being caring about the consumer. And I'm not Netflix. I'm just reading the quote, right? I'm not criticizing you. Mm-hmm. I'm saying them. They're saying this, and right. it seems a little self-serving. Self-serving. It seems a little disingenuous, in my okay. opinion. Um, okay. I like. I, I, I thought about Steven Spielberg's quote mm-hmm. um, in response to this. Uh, I know that Steven Spielberg made his quote first. And he, and the more I think about it, when I read it again, he doesn't come off as an old miser who doesn't care about, who doesn't, who doesn't care about the, the adaptability of, of cinema. Mm-hmm. He, he's not the old dinosaur in the room. Cinema has been around for, Hundreds, a hundred of years, a hundred years or so, however long it's been, mm-hmm. it's always been in. The, it's always been in a theater, and I'm not saying that it should stay there, but I'm saying there's something to be said about seeing. You know, same thing with sports. I mean, the way the way sport. I mean, and, and not to go off on the tangent, but you can watch the NFL at home and see all the replays. You can get all the commentary. You can see all the stuff. And the comfort of your own home and not have to pay for exorbitant prices for tickets and fight crowds and this and that. But there's something to be said about being at the event, okay. whether it's a concert, whether it's a movie, whether it's a whether it's a, a, a sporting event. There's something to be said for being there. And, yes, there are families that don't get to do that. And, yes, it's expensive. Um, I do think that I take it for granted that we have movie theaters here. I think that's something that's that I don't – that I'm not aware of. 
mm-hmm. you know, you and I aren't. I mean, maybe you more, you're more in tune to it because you, you know people around the country more than I do. But yeah. I don't know many people that don't have access to a movie theater. Let's put right. it that way. Um, but there's something to be said about being at the event. Sure. And to experience it with other people rather than sitting at home where I could sit, where I could all frankly just sit on the couch in my underwear and watch the TV show. That's what you do anyways. That's not what I do anyways. I'm just making a point. There's something to be said about enjoying it around people and you don't get the same experience. Yes, it's, I mean, I see both sides is what I'm saying. But I, but the more that I read Steven Spielberg's quote, I don't see him as being a dinosaur. I think he makes some good points. Mm-hmm. And I think Netflix makes some good points. But I also think he they're a little bit disingenuous. It seems a little self-serving to me that they're saying that they care about the consumer when they're a business like any other business. Do you think Steven Spielberg is being self-serving to a certain extent? Okay. Okay. I could see that point. That's I mean, a good point. Just, I, I don't know. That's fine. That, I mean, that's a good point. Fair enough. As Fair someone enough. who makes the majority of his business money off of Fair enough. exhibition. Fair enough. Who knows? Fair I enough. mean, it's, it's a conversation no, that's, that's... That's a fair point. It's a conversation that's not I just thought away. I just thought this quote that they said was interesting, especially in light of the stuff that, they, that they're raising prices. I right. I mean, it's, you know, giving filmmakers more ways to share art. That's a good idea. It's, yes. You know, I mean, I'm, you know... I have no qualms with that. I have no qualms with that. You know, me right now, I'm I'm watching multiple films a day at Cinequest and seeing new films and art, new films that are, you know, not going to be wide releases, films that are going to be, you know, kind of go under the radar, right? Independent films. And okay. a lot of these films are going to get picked up by distributors like Netflix or like Amazon Prime or like Hulu or things like that, where that's the only way that people can, the majority of people can see them. Right, that's the only way. There's not a blockbuster to go to anymore. I know. Like this is the only way that the majority of the people can not only afford to consume them, but be able to consume them and to see them. Yes, you're going to get your Captain Marvel is going to play at every movie theater within a hundred mile radius on opening weekend. I get that. That's not going to go away. I don't think anytime soon. But all these other quote unquote art that is out there, it's hard for people to consume that. You know, and and see it anywhere else, another other you know, venue. You know, is Steven Spielberg's next great film going to be a wide release? Probably because he's a popular filmmaker. He makes great stuff. He does stuff that people like. If he does ambitious stuff, he does groundbreaking stuff. Um, is some independent filmmaker going to get some big shot right out of the break? I mean, probably not. He's going to have to go to a film festival or get self funding or things like that. And that's how these kind of people break their break. Steven Spielberg was a young filmmaker at one point in his life. If Steven Spielberg was 22, 23 years old now, he'd probably have to go you know, the independent film route. He probably wouldn't just jump into a studio film. I mean, it probably you know, True, change but, like that. But if I may respond to some of what you said, you, you are seeing independent films at the theater. It's not like you're seeing these independent films just on Netflix. Right. They're at a film Isn't festival it? to get sold. The majority of the point of a film festival is for these films to be screened and yes, sold yes. to distributors. I'm just saying they're at a, it's at a theater. It's not sitting at – I mean, yes, we've, sure. we there have been some movies that come out that you've mentioned that you've really enjoyed. Roma, mm-hmm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the one with Chris Pine that I want to see. There's a lot of straight – but I, I there's something – I mean, Mar, even Martin Scorsese, which we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. uh, The Irishman, it's going to dual release. Yep. Well, it's not going to be a wide release. 
but it, it'll, it'll be it'll be some release. It'll, it'll be it'll some be like Roma, where it's going to be very okay. you know independent. Um, and that's a nice transition. Again, uh, this is a conversation. That it is a good conversation. It always just, is evolving. Um, it's the it's future, always the future cinema going. So it's something that we can always keep our eye on. Again, if there's something in this conversation that you guys like or have an opinion on, please let us know. We'd obviously love to hear what you guys think. And that's a nice transition, Joe. I don't know if you meant to do that, but I like it. I always have. Good We're gonna go into. We got a bunch of new trailers. This yep. is kind of from last week and this week. We didn't do a trailer recap. This week, last week, the week from before. last week. Um, there was an announcement trailer. Of Netflix is the Irishman. Yep. This was actually broadcast during the Academy Awards. Netflix was very smart and they paid the big money to get advertised during the Academy Awards. Again, where Roma and Buster Shrugs were nominees and Roma was a winner to a certain extent. We didn't get any footage. No. We just got basically the a couple quotes. Martin and Scorsese teaser, coming it's out. A teaser. It's a teaser um, coming. It will be available in theaters. Um, it will be available on Netflix. It looks to be a day and date release. Again, it looks to be a very independent in terms of its release. Um, this is a compromise that I think Netflix, to do business with some of these legendary filmmakers and to do with these high-profile filmmakers, this is a compromise they're willing to make to get Martin Scorsese in the door. Again, it's something like Alfonso Cuaron, who had won Oscars before. You know, This was something they were willing to do for him, for Martin Scorsese. You know, obviously, Martin Scorsese is someone you talked about before who was very much pro the cinema experience, the exhibition experience. Um, you know, so who knows? I it, guess, I guess, I guess a part of my uh, part of the reason why I tend to agree more with Steven Spielberg's point of view is because I I kind of feel like. Um, that the movies, that the movie complexes are going to be not extinct, but they're going to, we're going to see it a significant transition of the movies. And, and, you know, not to go back to that, but, you know, we're, we're not going to see these, ind- and we aren't seeing these independent films coming out in movie theaters anymore. And that's, that's, that sucks, you know, because, uh, like I said, there's something to be said about going to a movie house, getting popcorn, having a drink and candy, sitting in a movie theater. You get these fancy movie places where they have Dolby and the sheets and the seats shake and, you know, you get an immersive sound. And, you know, quite frankly, the, the quality of the movie, the quality of the screening, you can't get it home. I mean, yeah, they don't they have 4Ks and this and that, but you really don't have movies, a lot of those yet. You know, it's not that... And it's 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 just not the same. Uh, I, but yeah, it is. But they have the artists do have to get their movies out. That makes sense. So, I mean, I'm I'm actually really excited for The Irishman just because I know nothing about it. But it has like the old trifecta. It's got De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, Pesci, Joe Pesci. Pesci. It's got the it's got the old Goodfellas, not Goodfellas, but you know the Godfather, Goodfellas type stuff. And, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I don't know anything about it. So, I mean, it Should seems good. like a mobster type movie, which sounds interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a big fan of those. Mm-hmm. Watson knows. So, you know, but yeah, it's it's just interesting. I, I, like I said, just a part of me just feels like the movie houses are going away tomorrow and they're not. Right. It's just going to be a transition. That's all. Okay. Anyway. Fair enough. Um, we don't know when The Irishman is, is going to be released didn't say a date but they've hinted that it will be kind of later in the year because it will be more for awards season year, and yeah, things like yeah. that 
Um, so probably maybe around the same time Roma got released last year, which was successful for them. Uh, we got a second trailer for Shazam. No, Max pumped about uh, this. I'm excited about it. It's, it looks fun. It looks enjoyable. Um, the only thing new that I really saw that looked cool was when he's running off the building and he says Shazam, the kid, yeah. and then he turns into Shazam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That looked pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything changes. else, yeah, everything else is kind of the same vein. It's got, it's same got Mark tone. Strong in it. I like Mark, Mark Strong. Strong's a villain. He, I like Mark you know, Strong. Um, they have, and I told you this before, they've started to do some press screenings and some early screenings. Yeah. It's gotten really good reviews. Again, these could be very selective in terms of who they're letting in the yeah, audience. Yeah. So they could be skewing the results. Again, they're, you know. It's all about opinions. Right. They're, they're, they're doing these press screenings the week that Captain Marvel opens. So, again, they're kind of, you know baiting the competition to a certain extent so who knows um i'm still all in first week of april I, i'm excited to give it a chance and see it i like chuck the tv show that had zachary levi on it i think he's a funny guy um yeah it's a new character it's a new idea um it looks to be a brand new type of origin we haven't seen anything like this before where it's you know if you're a 13 14 year old kid what's the coolest thing that you want to be you know you want to be a superhero and this is that kind of it's like big in a superhero, right? Like, that's what it is. Yeah. It looks to be fun, looks to be funny. So, who knows? Uh, we got a second trailer for X-Men Dark Phoenix. I don't really know how to read this. Um, I don't know if they gave gave the plot away. They pretty much Or did. I don't know if it's a huge misdirection. To me, it feels like they gave the plot away. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not overly... I'll check it out just because I like Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. Yeah, I like I like the cast that's in it, but I'm yeah, a, I'm it's, afraid it's un- that Jennifer Lawrence is going to be killed off in the first five minutes. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate that they had. I mean, who knows? I right. It's just yeah. It seems like they gave away way too much, and it kind of reminds me a little bit like this movie will be as bad as The Last Stand, which I know you thought was abysmal. It's pretty bad. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'll I'll go in with an open mind and give it a chance and, and see what happens. Yeah, I want to see it. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo it before I see it. You know, we'll give it a chance. We'll Mac, be open minded. Max always keeps an open mind. I'll be open minded. Max always keeps an open mind. Uh, we got a we got a red band trailer for Hellboy. Yep, that looks cool. um, looks very. You know, cool. the trailer didn't necessarily. I like the first trailer more than I like this one. Yeah, say. where he's getting shot at and he right. goes, "Hey, I'm on your side." You know, but I mean, again, it's something that I'll I'll, I'll give it a chance i think it looks cool you know i mean i think it looks cool i like the dry humor i, yeah. I love dry humor it comes out in april so it I comes out it. in a credit it comes out in a crowded time it comes out right after shazam and it drops right before endgame so you know might not, might not have like but this you know it looks to be more of a one. it looks to be more of a lower budget type of superhero film also yeah i think have, it looks cool you know i want to see it so we'll see we did get a second trailer for detective pikachu Again, I don't know much about Pikachu or Pokemon to have an opinion on it. I know people that love that stuff, and they are just going gaga for it because it has all their favorite Pokemon in it. Uh, They showed the trailer before Captain Marvel, and there was apparently a lot of people that knew a lot about Pokemon because they were all excited about it. They were? I don't know. I mean, it looks clever. It looks funny. Um, I'm afraid that if I do go see it, I won't know half the references or I won't know half the characters. And I think it looks to be one and of you'd those. Feel like me at the Marvel films. No, but I mean the Marvel films have like built up a lot of stuff, so you know the characters. Like this is going to be like a specialty. Like if you, it's, yeah. you know, 
It would be a have, select group. Yeah, if, they have, if it's like a video game that you've played that I've never played. That's interesting that you bring in. that up because they might be making a movie out of my favorite video right. game that I'm going to talk about. So, today. you know, that I, that I wouldn't know about. There is <coughs> stuff that you would appreciate more in the background, the stories that you would know more versus me if I just walked in not knowing anything about it. So who knows? I mean, I, at this point, I still want to say I'll give it a chance. Yeah. Um, you know, if the reviews come out and they're awesome, great. If they come out and it's they're not great, then I probably will pass on it. So who knows? Game of Thrones final season trailer. Oh my god, this looks amazing as shh, best thing ever. Uh, there's an article on fanboyplanet.com right now that I have uh, talking about the trailer a little bit. Uh, this looks awesome. Game of, uh, HBO has done very little marketing for season eight again because they haven't really had to do much marketing for it. They've kind of been doing kind of slow teases and slow reveals. This is the first time we saw, you know, a lot of footage per se. We saw Jon Snow together with the dragons with Daenerys Targaryen. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. Uh, six episodes. They've teased this kind of. There's obviously lots of families, lots of rivalries, but they've teased this kind of large battle since basically episode one, where it's kind of, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, you'll know what I'm talking about. And it looks like it's fully actually going to happen. That's kind of one of the last shots in the trailer where it looks like this battle is actually going to finally happen. Um, So I'm excited to see it. Game of Thrones is obviously based on a book. I have not personally read the book series. I've kind of always been into the TV show. Um, but I know that the book series started off um, maybe three or four books before the TV series has gone. And eventually the TV series has caught up to the book series. What is very cool about this, if you're a Game of Thrones book fan, the last season, the books, he hasn't written them yet. So you don't actually know, even if you're a fan of the books, you don't actually know what's going to happen on this last series. Because even in the first couple series, there's been large fans and they know what's going to happen and they can kind of see the story arc. This last season, mm. even the last season, I Nobody think, knows. no one knows what's going to happen and it mm. could either go, you know, it could go several different ways. Who's going to sit on the Iron Throne at the end? Who knows? Very excited. I'm all in. April 6th, Game of Thrones, season eight. Be there. Uh, we may not have podcasts for six weeks just because I'm going to just rewatch Game of Thrones episodes every single night. Who knows? Topher Grace, who is a film buff in his own right, released a trailer called Star Wars Always. Topher Grace has done several of these trailers, um, not just for Star Wars, but for general things. One of the things he was talking about, obviously he's an actor. He's He's been in um, you know, Spider-Man 3. He's been in... He's been in Black Klansman. He was on the TV show, that that 70s show, which is kind of what he's mostly known for, I guess. Um, He he does a lot of these editing things. He actually has a a 90-minute version of The Hobbit where he edited all three of The Hobbit films into like a 90-minute film. Hmm. Um, He's done that with the Star Wars prequels as well, where it's kind of like a 90-minute film where he's edited all the films. He talked about how this was like a hobby of his and he just does it for fun. It's something that relaxes him and as a... A cinema person, that's what he likes to do. I don't know. It was a cool five minutes. It got me kind of nostalgic. Yeah. got me into it. Um, it had basically scenes from every movie at that mm-hmm, point. So mm-hmm. got me a little excited for, for episode nine yeah. coming up. Yeah. You know, if Disney was smart, maybe they could capitalize on this a little <laughs> bit and kind of use his expertise. But use his expertise. You know, if you're a Star Wars fan. It was you know, fun. It was you know, fun. It's five minutes every time. Just check it out. It's Star Wars always if it's something you want to check out. But if, you know. 
And if you're not a Star Wars fan and not something that's going to appeal to you, it's not going to matter to you. That's all we have for trailers. If there's any opinions you guys have, you guys have on these trailers, please let us know in the comments, and we're more than happy to discuss them as well. Now we're going to get into our recommendation segment of the month. Um, as you know, I do a TV recommendation, and then Joe will do a video game recommendation, and then we will both give a book recommendation. We'll start off with the first one. I will give a TV recommendation first. Uh, right now, currently streaming on Netflix, I just finished it. It's Umbrella Academy. It's based on the Dark Horse comic series. I haven't read the comics, but it's one of the more popular ones. It starts Alan Page, Tom Hopper, Tom Hooper, I believe his name. Not, not oh, Tom Alan Hopper. Page is in it? That's um, Yeah, it's a very, very cool series. It's 10 episodes. It talks about this group of kids, um, obviously the Umbrella Academy. They were recruited as kids to kind of be heroes um, based on their special abilities and things like that. And now it kind of catches up to them when they're older after their father has died. Um, and there's kind of an apocalyptic event that they have to prevent. It, obvi- it plays out in a very different tone. The last couple episodes I did not ex- anticipate. I did not see coming. It was a nice little twist. Uh, good acting, good effects. Um, it's, a, it's a nice little nice show on uh, Netflix. So that's what I just finished on Netflix. So that is what I have for my TV reg- recommendation. Joe, what do you got for your video game recommendation? Um, I actually have a, uh, a throwback to a uh, one of my original favorite games. Do you, Mac, do you know what you did when you were in when you? I think you and I both graduated from elementary school in 1998, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if we graduated from high school at the same year, that's probably a good All answer. right. Well, yeah. So my point is, is this game came out in 1998. I didn't play it right away. It was on PlayStation 1. Um, it's a throwback to a retro game that came out. Uh, it's it's really kind of become a legend, this whole series. And it is Metal Gear Solid. Um, it came out in 98, as I mentioned. Um, I didn't play it originally in 98. I wasn't really into video games quite yet at that point. Um, But once I hit high school, I was very much on the video game train. And this one is very revolutionary. uh, It's basically kind of a sneaking around game where you kind of sneak around and, you know, you you, you fight. Uh, It's not not a fantasy game. It's, It's the... It's basically you're kind of like a, uh, a, a, a not a hitman, but a, an, an undercover. Uh, okay, uh, it's kind of like you're an undercover operative where you're sneaking in to try to prevent this this uh, these terrorist organizations from selling nuclear weapons. You know, and this was this was right. You know, it it's it takes place like right after the Cold War. Um, so it's very much, they, they, they the storyline though is what makes the movie. Okay. Um, and it stars an actor, uh, a video game actor who rose to prominence because of this role. He plays the role of solid snake. Solid snake is the operative that you play. Okay. Um, but it's, I mean, if, if I was to play the game now and I played it growing up, once I hit high school, I started to play a lot. Um, there's been multiple versions of the game. They have multiple sequels. It was directed by a, by a notorious, a legend of video game maker, Hideo Kojima, who's a Japanese guy. Okay. Um, and they're actually talking, I, I was Googling, um, when the, when the video game came out and it, and it seems they might be coming out with a movie. Cool. Which is very cool. Um, 
I very much enjoyed this game. Um, I'm not too sure. It would be difficult for people who play video games now to play a game that's so retro. Okay. Because it has it's very pixelated. You know, okay. as as games were back in 1998. But the the gameplay, how the the storyline, the twists, the philosophical um, storyline, it was very revolutionary and beyond its time. Cool. So that was that's my that's the game that I chose. Metal Gear Solid came out in 1998. Just a tidbit, it sells for over a hundred dollars on Amazon. I'm not sure what it sells on eBay, but I bet you you'd be willing to find sealed copies for probably a couple hundred bucks, which nice. is a testament to how legendary the, the lasting game is. It is. Yes. Cool. Yes. Good. Good. Thank you for that. Um, so now we're going to move on to our book recommendations. The book I chose is called QB, My Life Behind the Spiral. It's by Steve Young with uh, Jeff Benedict, who was his co-author. It was released in 2016. It follows the trajectory of Steve Young all the way through growing up to high school to his going to BYU, to his early struggles in the NFL when he was on the Bucks, um, and how at one point in his life he wanted to quit NFL football, and he got traded to the Niners, but then he was a backup to Joe Montana for several years, and he was always kind of living in that shadow, and how it was very kind of you know depressing for him, and how... He never felt like he could live up to expectations, and then he finally got the opportunity. Obviously, everyone saw how good he was at that point, became a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, talked about kind of what he's done after football. It's a nice story if you're if you're a football fan, especially if you're a 49er fan. You like Steve Young, you'll get something out of the book. You'll like it. Uh, it's a nice read. It's fun. It's good. It's enjoyable. So that's what I wrote down. All right, uh, I chose something on the other side of the spectrum. Okay. Um, you and I, and maybe the, I'm not sure if the, if the, the listeners know this, I'm a huge Stephen King fan and I don't necessarily love the movies because a lot of the movies were made in the 1980s and they're really kind of poorly done or they were done with what technology was at that, at that time, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So they're remaking a lot of movies now. They just remade it. And now this next movie comes out. On April fifth, I'm probably not going to see the movie because it looks terrifying, and that is Pet Cemetery. But I did read the book. The book was amazing. It was one of the first five. It was one of the first five books that I read by Stephen King. The first one being The Shining. Yeah. Um, but it was. It certainly ranks up there on the top five of all time of his books. It came out in 1983, which is ironically the year I was born. So I don't know if that says anything. You were born in '83, also. So, oh, well, so it says nothing. It's, it doesn't mean anything. I just oh, thought that's it was okay. funny. That's um, a nice little coincidence. T- terrifying book. It's about a uh, a. Uh, I don't want to spoil the story, but I'll kind of briefly tell the synopsis. It's about a family who moves into and and most of his stories take place in Maine because that's where that's where Stephen King kind of grew up and where he lives now is in Maine. I don't think that I don't think it has special significance, or he calls upon, um, you know, historical places in his novels. They're just basically like kind of made up places. Well, for for him, for for, for, for him, yeah, yeah like which mo- makes sense. Most of the stories, of yeah, do. most of the stories take place in Maine, but I don't think it's because he knows of a place in Maine where this took place right. or something like that. Um, but anyway, so this family moves into a. Uh, Somewhat of a rural house that's literally, literally right next to like a uh, 
not a highway, but it is kind of, I don't know what you would call it. It's not, yeah, it is kind of a two lane highway where there's always like, uh, trucks driving back and forth. And I'm not going to go into the details cause I don't want to spoil it, but something happens and then he seeks the counsel of his next door neighbor who has an interesting solution to his problem. Okay. And, uh. Yeah, it's a very terrifying book, and it was very well written. He's an amazing author. So John Lithgow plays the John neighbor, Lithgow probably. plays then plays the neighbor absolutely. In, it's in it's the a cool trailer, I and mean, Jason Clark looks good in it. He looks yeah, very good in it. He's a, a cool, he's a very good actor. It's a cool trailer. I just don't, you know, if I could sit there. It's a cool looking trailer though. Um, it's so terrifying. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. If anyone's ever Pet seen cemetery, if anyone's ever seen Joe's bookshelf, there's a whole you know four or five rows just dedicated to Stephen King. Absolutely, so he's not bluffing when he's talking no. about his affection for the writer. So take his word for it if you are on the fence about it, because he knows what he's talking about about that. Yeah. Thank you. In honor of the release of Marvel Studios' 21st film, Captain Marvel, we I decided to ask the question. Mac decided. Um, then that's I did okay. Decide it. That's okay. Uh, what is our likes these. what is our least favorite stinger and favorite Marvel mid credit or post credit scene? We're going to kind of clump those both together. I wrote down a couple for both. I'll just start with one, and then Joe, you can maybe give one. So we'll start with the worst. Um, yeah, one of the that. worst ones I put was Thor: The Dark World. I thought these both of these uh, scenes were awful. This was the second film in the Thor franchise. The mid credit scene was a kiss between Jane and Thor, where Thor has come back uh, to Earth to kiss Jane kind of after the film had already ended. Um, and that's it. That's all you see. He just rushes back in and kisses her. It's something that they don't play on in any future. Jane is not in any future MCU movie. Um, apparently, she dumps him because in Thor Ragnarok, there's a line about Jane dumping him. Um, they basically tease this. They basically tease this entire romance, the entire film, and nothing happens, and then he just rushes in and kisses her. It was such a weak payoff. I did not like it. And the post credit scene is that it's a random animal that got from another dimension that's running around London. Um, it's kind of like a large kind of mutant type of animal, and it's just running around. It was nothing to do with the film. Um, it just felt stupid. So that is one of my least favorite okay. MCU ones. Um, I have a lot that I like, but that's one of my. I know my you worst have a lot ones. you like. So go ahead and give me um, your your worst example. Um, my worst example. Um, this might be. It's the one that's most recent because, quite frankly, I don't like really any of these, any of the stingers. Um, the one in Captain Marvel was pretty bad watching. I mean, I sh- can I spoil this or can't spoil it. Okay. If so you want to hear the spoiler about it, yeah, it's yeah, on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, good thing I checked. Um, it's the one that's at the very end of the credits. It's not, it's not, not the, the mid credit, one. not the mid credit or pre credit scene, which ties into Endgame. Endgame. It was the one at the very end of the credits where of course everyone waits for, Everyone thinks it's going to be monumental, and it was just awful. It's very similar to the Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes, and one. Oh, absolutely. That, that, was, that was that was the next one on my. That was the next yeah. one on my list. Oh, sorry, I didn't to spoil it. No, 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 no. But I was going to say no. The Ant Man <laughs> and the Wasp one was pretty bad too. Where he's just some giant ant is inside. Yeah. is inside the house. 
right. Apparently, t- with the with the uh, the bracelet on, yeah, with so the bracelet. So it so so that, get yeah, he doesn't get he doesn't get arrested. Yeah, that was kind of stupid too. Um, but okay. that's just the ones that I chose. Okay, great. Um, those are both fine ones. I'll agree with let's, both of those. Let's hear the ones you liked. The only I put one more worse down. Okay. Um, for as amazing as a film as I think Winter Soldier is, it might be my best. Might be my favorite MCU film. Um, it's up there in my top two or three. It was good. There's the, the end it. credit scene with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, where they're basically jailed up. Um, gave no context. Gave nothing to it. It felt like they wanted to make it a very much a kind of teaser for the fans for the next film. And it once once Ultron opened up, um, those characters weren't even there in that spot. It just oh, it I just see. felt it just felt so what, like so a can tease. you can you explain the scene because sure. so they're just sitting in the jail and the Ultron right so comes? so in Winter Soldier Hydra is defeated right to a certain extent yeah not all not fully. Um, but you know, they're, they're kind of going through this and they're kind of in this middle Eastern kind of sanctum and they're like, Oh, Hydra's fallen in the United States or whatever. And then Thomas Christian's character, I don't know what, I forget the name of the character. Some German Hydra agent is like, Oh, don't worry. We have a secret plan and it's Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And people are like, Oh, that's kind of cool. But then it sets up nothing because they're not even in that scene in Ultron. Like it just—it feels like it was a wasted opportunity. Like yeah. it felt like they made the teaser credit, thinking that's how they were going to start the next film, and then they were like, "No, nope, we have a better idea. We're going to start it this way." So it ends up being no continuity. And for me, that's when I don't like the credits. When there's a continuity to it and it leads into something, that's when I like them. Okay, so we have some best ones. I think I know which one you're going to choose. Well, I wrote down a couple. I know which one you're going to choose. I wrote one of them anyway. Okay. Which one am I going to choose? You're definitely going to choose the Iron Man one. I put the first Iron Man. Yeah, first Iron Man. Um, again, it's it's a I very cool. I still haven't cool, seen it. Still haven't seen that one. It's um, again Iron Man. What makes Iron Man great is it's 100 percent original. Yeah. It's the first one. It, it focuses is entirely on Robert Downey Jr. It's a, it's a wonderful performance, and it was a it was a uh, it's a not bounce back for his yeah, career. Yeah, I mean, at that point, Marvel Studios was was nothing, right? In its infancy. Yeah, it, it was nothing. It was struggling to get funding. A lot of studios, you know, Fox and all these other big studios, did not want to finance these films. So Marvel had to get money from basically bet on themselves to kind of get this film. They picked a director in John Favreau, who at that point was only known for basically doing comedies like Swingers and things like that. He was actually a pretty good actor. Yeah, which was fine. And then they picked Robert Downey Jr., right? Who was had well, been, was who'd been who'd been arrested? Who had he been was perfect? He basically was Tony Stark, right? At that point, where he was kind of like this awesome kind of playboy guy, and then he kind of turned his life around. Anyways, that's kind of going back to Iron yeah. Man. Um, the film's great, but. It, it doesn't hint to anything in terms of a larger universe. And at that point, I don't think they could have because I think they were very much playing their cards close to their vests. You know, last scene, they didn't even advertise it or anything. People just kind of found it because the first time I saw Iron Man, I didn't even know it. Someone told me about it and I had to go back and saw it. It's just Samuel L. Jackson just walking up. And Tony Stark is like, who are you? And he says, I'm Nick Fury. And he's like, I don't know what you are. And he's like, I need to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. Tony Stark's like, what are you talking about? Like, get out of my house. It's like, you don't know anything about me. And he's like, you're part of our larger world that you just don't know it yet. And then it ends. It's awesome. It kind of gives you chills. It gives me chills it now thinking about it. Um, 
Yeah, it's just it's, it's it's kind of a cool line, and it, that's it, what tickles it, your fancy. Huh? It's a cool line, you know. It it certainly it's cheesy. Yeah, it, it is cheesy. Uh, go ahead, Mac give me one you it. got. Um, I'd rather hear yours. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't have any that I like. There are some. You had one that you liked, right? Well, yeah. What was the? I couldn't remember the one that I mentioned. You like the Ant Man and the Wasp? The first one. The first. The mid credit scene for Ant Man and the Wasp. Because it led right into anger. Yes, that one. That one was cool. Yeah, the one. Yeah, sorry. Because they Ant-Man told the part yeah, of the yeah. story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked how he kind of like how he kind of ends up getting lost in the, in the quantum, quantum realm. realm. Yeah, that was cool. That was the one. One. That was the only one. I may agree with your point when you say if it continues the storyline, then I find meaning in them. But I don't like the stupid, silly ones at the end of the credits that tell you nothing. Those are dumb. But yes, Ant-Man and the Wasp, that one was cool because it literally, it literally took you right up to... It connects to, you right to Endgame. It connects you to Endgame, absolutely. That was cool. And then you see like everyone disappear and then he's stuck in the quantum realm. And we don't know how he's going to get out yet. how he gets out, but he, you know yeah. he will, but that's exciting to figure out how yeah, he will. Yeah, that's probably the only one that comes to mind that I thought was actually enjoyable okay. and interesting. Cool. I wouldn't say it's my favorite one, but... It's the one that I tolerate the most. <laughs> okay. But you don't know what your favorite one is. I don't really have a favorite one. Okay. I, I'm, I I'm wrote sorry. down... I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. I wrote down Spider-Man. I know you tried, so I appreciate the effort. I, I wrote down Spider-Man Homecoming uh, for two reasons. I like the scene with Vulture when he's in jail. Uh, oh, what? but that was <laughs> dumb. That was when his... That was when... No, that was when Michael Keaton and the other guy comes up. To, oh, no, I'm thinking of a different one. I'm thinking of Venom. No, well, I'm no. Of Venom. Yeah, so in Vulture is arrested, obviously. Okay. And he's in jail. And then there's a guy who got arrested also kind of by Spider-Man. And he walks up to Vulture in jail, who's Michael Keaton. And he's yeah. like, hey, I, you know who, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, he's you like. Got he, put, you got put in by Spider-Man. And he's who like, is he? Yeah, and he's like, you tell me who he is yeah. and we'll take care of him. And Michael Keaton's like. If I knew who he was, he wouldn't be alive right now. And it cuts off because you know Vulture's going to come back in a later MCU film. So it teases that. And then also, it's maybe this is stupid. But a lot of people felt this one was stupid. I thought it was funny. At the end of Homecoming, there's throughout the entire film of Homecoming. Loves Homecoming. Throughout the entire film of Homecoming, there's these little like Captain Marvel PSAs. Kind of like in gym class, there's a Captain Marvel like PSA about like working out and doing gym work and stuff like that. No, I don't. And then that, at the end of Homecoming, great. Captain America walks out and he's like talks about patience as a PSA, and it's basically like a throw to like the fanboys in their face. And it's like sometimes you wait for a lot of things for patience, and when you have patience, sometimes nothing comes out of it. And he just walks off the screen, and that's it. People thought that was funny. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I thought you'd think that was funny because it's basically making fun of the, the end I have to thing. see it. I have to see it. It's fine. Yeah. And the only other one I wrote down was the Iron Man 2 post credit scene. Iron Man 2 is a film that... That was pretty bad. ...while flawed, um, basically what Iron Man 2 serves to do is set up the Avengers. Because, again, Iron Man 1 is very much... How dependent. did it set up the Avengers? So the post credit scene is Coulson wakes up... Not wakes up. You see... Colson in New Mexico, and there's a hammer in the middle of the field, and it's Thor's hammer. And the next film is Thor. Okay, I'm just trying to think. What do you mean he wakes up? He doesn't wake up. Like he's on the phone with like Nick Fury or something, and he's like, "Sir, we have a problem." And then Fury's like, "What's the problem?" And then it pans to the field in New Mexico where Molnir is, 
And then the next film in the MCU timeline is Thor. So again, that's clever in the sense that it sets up the next film. Because at that point, we hadn't seen Thor on screen yet. So you're like, oh, what is this hammer? That's cool. They're going to do a Thor movie. It's going to be awesome. So that's that. <laughs> so let us know what your guys' worst yeah. and best, best post-credit scenes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We Mac do. loves them. Absolutely loves them. I think they're fun. Um, I have no idea what they're going to do for Endgame, to be honest, because we don't know the film. But, you know, if they make some... We will be sitting through it, I'm some, sure. It's going to be a three hours at that point. I don't know if my bladder will be able to hold it. But, uh, you know, I don't know. They could do something ballsy and put, like, some X-Men reference in there. That'd be awesome, but I don't think they will. Or maybe Deadpool will just show up at the end and just start talking <laughs> to you. I don't know. That would be so dumb. That would be... Ironic, but it would be funny at the same time. <laughs> Deadpool. That's that's why I don't want to see Pikachu, because it looks so dumb with Ryan Reynolds in it. Yeah. You should have said that when we talked about Pikachu. I know, but I'm, I I've, I thought I made that clear to that's you okay. earlier. Well, you made it clear you don't want to see it, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, we do have some theme parks, in, theme parks, theme park information. Yep, we do. To go over with you guys. Uh, just a little tidbit. Sometimes we've gone over this. This week in Disneyland history... So earlier this week, there was it was the 24th anniversary of the Indiana Jones Adventure, the ride. Yep. That makes me feel really old, to it be does. honest. Um, I remember when it came out. So you were nine years old or something like that? I was terrified. But anyway, it's, it's a... It's and a, they've changed it. They've it's changed a fun it a ride. Bit. It's a good ride. It's still there every time I go to Disneyland. It breaks have, down every time, too. I have I, Even if it breaks down, I still feel like I have to go at least once a day. It's a good ride. It's a fun ride. Um, it's a... Certainly a great addition to the Disney Disney Park, and obviously it spawned off some other um, some other variant type rides in other Disney parks around the world. But this day in Disneyland history, it was the past week. It was the 24th anniversary of the nice. Indiana Jones Adventure. Nice. I thought that you'd like that. Some people like that as well. I do. I know for sure. This week we have a Galaxy's Edge update. Absolutely. Joe. Absolutely. Um, a lot of it has been speculation up to this point, but yep. this is something official, 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 official. So um, give the fans what they want, Joe. Give the fans what they want. Uh, the official opening day for Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland is May 31st. However, there's going to be a lot of stipulations yes. about that opening. Um, first of all, Did you got the Disney world update. The Disney World opening day? Probably... It's August something. Oh, is it? I'm yeah. sorry. That's I okay. Didn't, I, 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 I didn't look up... We'll do Disneyland the yeah. next week. Yeah, Joe yeah. will do Disney World. Okay. Um, we'll go Disneyland. Yeah, now. Disneyland, it's going to be a madhouse, number one. Number two, that you're going to have to do reservations. And this is all online on the website. Like, I checked it out. They have literally, like, dozens of shops. They have... You can create your own lightsaber. They can create your own droid. You can go to... You can go to Olga's Olga's Cantina. Olga's Cantina. Yeah, I keep I keep wanting to say Olga's Cantina for some it's reason. The same idea. Um, yeah, they have like a dozen or so shops where you can buy stuff, and you can actually drink. You can you can go to a shop, and you know, in Star Wars mm-hmm. and Return of the Jedi, where Luke is drinking like this purple or blue milk or blue something. Milk, right? You yeah. can get blue milk. Mm. That sounds. Gross. I wonder if that's going to be the alcohol. That's, that sounds gross. But anyway. Um, so yeah. what no, are the stipulations? So, so, so the stipulations are you have to make a reservation and they can pretty much cancel you if they want. And what I mean by that is it says it's, it says it in the disclaimer. It says 
You have to make a reservation in order to go between to buy a ticket to buy a ticket between between, between now or between May thirty first and June twenty third. They mm-hmm. said, and they said, and they say in big print. They say it's subject to blackout days, and if it if the park is too crazy, you know, if the park is too crowded, they can pretty much rescind it. Right. So, which sucks, but. I don't think you and I are going during that time. I'm not going during that time. Um, I'm going literally a month before then, so I, I'm not going to yeah. waste my time. Um, but uh, – the and, and there's some more things too. Um, the Galaxy's Edge, the Millennium Falcon ride is going to open – is going to open that day, May 31st. It will be open. Mm-hmm. They've shown some videos about it. They've shown some, you know, so you can see inside the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and see exactly. It looks just like the real thing. Right. Which is awesome. It looks awesome. But, you know, we've talked about the interaction of the ride where you kind of have to have like a family of six in order to be, in order to get the most out of the ride. Um, I, you and I are still going to go on it. Right. But I don't think we will get as much out of it as much as if we went with a group of friends. Sure. Because it's going to be a six-person ride. So right. we're going to be going on the ride with people we don't know. I mean, who right. may or may not even speak English. You right. know, which, which which could create a serious problem yeah. for us trying to pilot. Yeah, I don't want to crash in the first Yeah, minute, we don't want to crash in the first flight. I don't speak German, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um be a waste of three hours standing in line. Yeah, and there's no fast passes. Yeah. There's no fast passes for the ride. Just to start, right? I to think. start, yeah. yeah. I think eventually. And, um, so the uh, the other ride, the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance ride, is going to open up in Disneyland later in the year. It won't. There's not. There's no date yet. Right. But it will not be open not by May 31st. Yeah. So, but it sounds like they're going to have they're going to have all the shops and everything open. You'll be able to walk around. You'll be able to check all the exhibits. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of stores you can buy Star Wars memorabilia. You know, build your own lightsaber. Yeah, build your own lightsaber sounds stuff. cool. Build your own droid. Yeah, that sounds cool. You can build, that'd be awesome if you could build your own droid and it like rolls. Then it'll that just would, follow that you would around be crazy. Disneyland. Like I'm just like walking back to my hotel and my BB-8. droid's just like following me. BB-8. That would be cool. One of the caveats to the tickets. Joe, obviously you have to buy tickets um, for the day and date that you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. It's restricted. There is a way to guarantee access to Galaxy's Edge is if you're staying on a Disneyland oh, yeah, property. Yeah. Again, that Sorry, is something that, that. that's okay. That's something again that they're upselling, right? Yeah. Again, it's four hundred, five hundred dollars a night to stay on Disneyland ridiculous. property at this point in the summer. But that is something that some families and some groups will pay to guarantee themselves access. Again, you'll get magic hour at that point as well for yep. Galaxy's Edge. Um, so again, any Disneyland ticket is subject to change, um, but that is one way they've said they, they will guarantee you access if you have a Disneyland hotel key and you're part of that group. And you have a season pass, so you're probably everything you're is probably everything more is blacked the, out. But no, I'm saying you're probably more in the know. They probably send you more of that yeah. stuff than than they. And would. for any season pass, even the top top level, even if you're paying like five hundred, six hundred dollars a year. You're blacked out. Yeah, you can't go that first month. Yeah, yep. um, for anything. I still think you can actually go to Disney California Adventure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. which is fine. I mean, I love DCA, um, but they will not let you into to Disneyland at that point. Um, yeah. So um, Joe will follow up next week with a little bit for Walt Disney, Disney World because I know yeah, there's sorry. a little bit yeah. of differences for Walt yeah. Disney World. Um, but I know Disney World has an announcement date, and there may be some East Coasters on there listening. So we'll make sure we'll get that information for you guys as well. But thank you for that. That's that's good stuff. 
Um, it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if I'm going to write it till August or September or anything like that, but I'm, it's, it's been a long time building. It's a long time coming. It's, I'm excited about it. 14 acres. Yeah. It's, uh, Disneyland is one of the most awesomest places in the world. And it's just about to get a lot more awesome. So sounds cool. Absolutely. Um, we have talked about Disney California Adventure before. I've talked a lot about it, about it and the expansion of Pixar Pier. Obviously, Pixar Pier is now open with the Incredicoaster and new attractions like or new food new food destinations like the Lamplight Lounge, the Indomitable Snowman's Ice Cream Shop. Um, they have the updated Ferris wheel. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, a, it's not that. It's like Pixar Pals, swinging Pixar Pals or something. Yeah, yeah. Midway Mania is still there. Uh, Jesse's Critter Carousel is officially going to open in April in Disney California Adventure. It simply has taken over King Triton's Carousel, which is the carousel that was already in Disney California Adventure on the pier. They are just rebranding it to Jesse's Critter Carousel. So Jesse, of course, is from Toy Story. She has a bunch of critters from her TV show from Toy Story 2. And so they are just going to rebrand all of those little little whatever they're called, little passenger ride vehicles uh, for the carousel. Um, so that looks to be that. The only attraction yet to open on Pixar Pier is the Inside Out attraction. Yeah. We don't have a date for that yet, but then again, that looks to be more of a family-friendly ride as well. That's going to be like an outdoor type of ride, maybe like a teacups type of ride where it's kind of like swinging around, things like that. So Jesse's Critter Carousel is not something that I'm necessarily looking forward to, but it'll be nice that they have will continue to finish it. It looks great. I love Pixar Pier. I love the look of it. It looks nice. It looks brand new. It looks awesome. Cool yeah. attraction. So, you know, if anything, it'll just look nice to have the carousel back up in operation versus just being covered up again. Last bit of news and discussion. Yep. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is a very, according to Disney Insiders, is strong a very, very strong possibility to both to join both Disneyland Disneyland Paris Again, we've talked about this before, how it's been rumored. Apparently, it's going to open in Walt Disney World later in 2019. It is is brand new ride technology. It's something that apparently Imagineers and Bob Iger specifically loves, apparently. And again, if they something that they can just copy versus inventing a whole brand new ride technology or brand new ride, they can just copy and paste and put it in a new park. Mac is beyond excited. They love Minnie and Mickey and Minnie's Monroe. Yeah, so they've talked about um, the location. They've talked about either potentially behind Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin yep, in Toontown. Yep, in Toontown. They've also talked about um, the place where Mickey's Magical Map is, which is where the show, the show Mickey's Magical Map, which is kind of right in front of the train station in Toontown, across from It's a Small World. They've talked about taking that out, although I eventually think they'll take that out for something Frozen-related, because I do think they're going to put something Frozen-related in. So it looks more and more likely that it will be in Toontown again. That would make sense, because mm-hmm. Mickey and Minnie are tunes. You can still go to Mickey Mouse's house and Minnie's house in Toontown to get your picture taken with Never them. doing that again. It's fun. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> worth it. I mean, if you haven't gone in a while, it's worth taking a picture. mid buddy, where I'm never doing that again. <coughs> I'll, I'll do it. I don't give a shit. I'll go by myself. Um... So we, I know we've done this question before, but it's always fun. I think you guys get a kick out of it. If you could transplant one ride from any Disney park to put in Disneyland or Disney California Adventure, what would it be? I wrote down a couple. Joe wrote down one or two. Um, do you want to go first or want me to go first? Sure. 
Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of roller coasters. Um, I mean, there are other ones, um, from in Disneyland parks uh-huh. around the world, both in Disneyland Paris, <coughs> Disneyland, um, Tokyo, Tokyo Disney, Disney world, even Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Hong Kong. Um, they got the Ratatouille ride. I think, I know it's probably going to be your, one of yours, but I think that would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, I do, I do enjoy, I have to rewatch that movie. I know it's my sister's favorite Disney movie. Um, it, I'm excited to hear what ride you want to transmit because I feel like it's going to be a roller coaster. Yeah, I thought the Ratatouille ride was a roller coaster. No, it's like a dark ride. That's like a, it's like a Monsters Inc. ride or like something like that. Oh, like it's, it's like gonna it's be like more the, okay. Of a, well, I'll, well then, well then, well, I put a couple more down. That's great. <coughs> I put so the, I put that. That was my Disneyland parish. Okay, so I put that I put, down. So just so you guys know, I put the. Uh, I mean, I know there's some from. There's a whole bunch from Disney World because they have a lot more roller coasters space, there, right? a lot more space. Yeah, um, the Toy Story ride. The Toy Story roller coaster oh, okay. ride that sounds cool. Slinky dog, Slinky, Slinky dog, dog yeah, dash. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was the main one that I put. I'm I'm a huge fan of roller coasters. And anytime, you didn't put the Tron one. I feel like you'd like the Tron one. I don't I, the Tron light cycle. Maybe you're not a fan of Tron. I'm the not movie, a huge fan of Tron. I but, didn't I didn't grow up watching that. I mean, but the the, the ride the is ride cool. though the ride I mean, is cool. And it looks like it's. I mean, it was a huge hit in Disney Tokyo, so they're transporting it to Walt Disney World as part of. The Tomorrowland upgrade, which would okay. be awesome if okay. they did a Tomorrowland upgrade in Disneyland. Well, okay, but yeah, who the, knows? Oh, the, oh, and, and the last one that I put, but they don't really have room for anywhere in Disneyland or Disney right. California, is that Mission to the Moon or the okay the uh, the Space Journey. Sure, that's going to be just this huge dynamic, yeah, interactive thing where you like you know it's like it surrounds you and it's almost like Pirates of the Caribbean where you don't even know you're inside. Yeah, that sounds. Cool. Epic, and cool. I wish they could do it closer. But maybe when we go to Disney World, we one can day check that out. in twenty twenty one. Yep, that's what we're aiming for. Twenty twenty one. That's our goal in life. There we go. That's my goal in life. One of my goals in life. So from Disneyland Paris, I wrote down one from each because again, that's just me being particular. Um, so I wrote down Ratatouille, the adventure from Disneyland Paris. From Walt Disney World, a ride that I think you'd like would be the Seven Drives, Seven Dwarfs. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying that word. Word. Seven, Seven Dwarfs. Dwarfs Mine Train. It's a roller coaster. Oh, that's the one that's where is that? It's in Walt Disney World in Magic Kingdom. Yeah, that's the one where it like it like stops and it changes the the track or whatever. Uh, I don't know if it changes oh. the track. It could. Uh, it could. So it's a roller coaster. It's kind of like a uh, big thunder, big thunder mountain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the all of the ride vehicles are like mini little dwarf courts carts. Like, all the carts are separate, okay. and they kind of, like, tilt, kind of, like, as you're going. So they go up and down. Um, it's like a roller coaster. But then, it, cool. but then it will slow down at parts because it will kind of tell a little bit of the story mm-hmm. of Snow White. So, like, you'll see, cool. you'll see the seven – like, you'll go inside the mountain, and you'll see the seven dwarves, like, mining, and you'll see the song. And then you'll go, like, up and down. You'll go, like, on a roller mm-hmm. coaster. And then it'll slow down. You'll see Snow White interacting with the witch and – so I think that's kind of a cool compromise in the cool. sense of like it's a roller coaster, so it gets people going, but it also tells a story, which is what Disney Imagineers do really, really well. So that's what I wrote from Walt Disney World. From Disney Hong Kong, I wrote down the Iron Man experience. Apparently, this is a revolutionary ride. It's supposed to be a 3D kind of virtual experience where you're supposed to kind of essentially be in an Iron Man suit with Iron Man, kind of fighting and going along in this experience. I don't know how the technology is done. Per se, because I haven't spent that I'm much sure time you could probably watch it researching. Yeah. 
Um, but again, it's it's supposed to make you feel like you're in an actual Iron Man suit, kind of flying with and fighting with Tony Stark, and obviously helping him defeat whatever battle he's going through at that point. From Disney Tokyo, uh, again, Disney Tokyo is Disney Tokyo Sea, so it's on it's a bridge next to water, basically. Water is right next to it. So Disney Tokyo Sea, instead of Autotopia, they have a ride called Aquatopia, which is basically you're in a um, you're in like a um, like a water boat type of thing, and then you're kind of steering yourself in the water boat. So instead of like driving on a course in your little in the car not underwater, no, not underwater, okay, on top of water. Goodness. So it's like some big the submarine ride terrifies me. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. They do something a little different in Disney Disney Tokyo Sea Aquatopia, where you're kind of like paying little bumper cars, kind of going on the track. Because again, it's kind of a rideless track. You're just kind of going through the water and then hmm. yeah so that's all i have those are that's the rides cool. we had if there's any rides that you guys would supplant if there's a ride in disneyland disney california that you would want to be replaced maybe that'll be a good question what's a ride you would take out to to put a new ride in hmm. and that would be a difficult question though. that is a difficult question um, so who knows that's really all we have for this week uh coming up in the next couple of weeks in preparation for Endgame. Endgame, we will be doing an MCU countdown. There will be 21 films. There are 21 films, so we will do a ranking. I know we've done the rankings before for uh, Disneyland, Disney California, Universal Studio Rides. Yeah, people like those. That was a segment that you guys liked, I think, our debates and our, our topics about it. So I think we're going to do that for the MCU films. I think it will be interesting to see where we both land on this. Um, next week will be a, where Mac lands. Homecoming is going to be number one. I don't think so. I don't think so. so. There will be a lot of phase three and a lot of phase one. Phase two will be more at the bottom. So I I think that will be interesting to see where you kind of fit with the phases. Um, So I think that will tell a trend as well. Next week will be a shorter podcast. I'm just giving you guys a warning now. I am busy at CineQuest almost every day. I saw two films each day the last couple of days. I plan on seeing two to three films every day for the next week or so. So my time will be a little bit short. We will have a podcast. It will just be a shorter podcast version of next week as well. But we will – I know you guys don't like it when we miss weeks. So we will do our best to get out there. But you guys did get a double episode this week. So, you did get a double so episode. So feel good about that. As always, please like, share, comment, rate, review, subscribe. Keep it on repeat. Yeah. We love it when you guys just press repeat. If you're at the gym, if you're dropping off your kids, if you're on a long trip – you know, if you're sleeping, you need something to put you to sleep. <laughs> you know, that's fine. Um, that's fine. That's all. We, as long as you press play, I don't really care. <laughs> uh, you can turn the volume all the way down. Um, yeah, I think that's all we have. This is another good show. We appreciate you guys listening. As always, we'll see you next week. Say goodbye, Joe. Yep. Have a good week.